Passion is something that helps drive us in what we do in life. It helps push us through the mundane and inspires us to try new things. What are your passions? Well, chances are, if you're listening to this, wool may be on your list. For me, it is wool and cricket. And in this episode of The Yarn, we discuss the historic Flock to Baggy Green project that celebrates the connection between wool and cricket. Two iconic Australians. So welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast to and for the Australian wool industry. My name's Marius Cumming. Okay, so a year ago we invited wool growers from across Australia, you may remember, to donate some of their wool to help make the future baggy green caps. The Australian Test Cricket Cap, the most revered piece of sporting apparel there is in Australia. Well, over 450 wool growers donated about 500 kilograms of greasy wool. In fact, Grant Burge, a wool grower in South Australia, donated an entire bale. Anyway, we collected it all. It's been processed initially at Michelle's in South Australia and subsequently in China to create well over 300 kilograms of green cloth. That's enough to cap the next male, female and junior test teams for well past the next century. Now, as part of the project, we've mapped where all the donors have come from and the Flock to Baggy Green website took a lot of work and it may well be worth a look. But... We also contacted Gideon Haig, Australia's best cricket writer, to put together a few words about woolen cricket. Little did we know that he would actually write a whole book. After we handed the cloth over during the first test of this summer, Australia versus India in Adelaide, we had a book launch and Gideon had this to say at the event. It was only really when I came to to think about doing this book that I realised how inseparable cricket has been from wool, uh, the, the product. I mean... At the weekend, uh, it was back in Melbourne, hard to believe now, but I wore a knitted woolen sleeveless sweater under a woolen cable knit. I mean, it was absolutely freezing. It was a classic day of Melbourne of club cricket. I tugged my woolen Yarrows cap low over my head and I bowled, I got my fiver with, uh, with notice how cunningly I got that into the, uh, the, the monologue. Uh, I bowled my, I got my fibre with a leather jacketed ball built up around a quilt of wool and cork. Lots of games have, uh, have incorporated synthetic materials, um, scientifically designed, but there's an earthiness and an authenticity to cricket's continued commitment to the organic. Cricket, after all, is a game with pastoral origins. The historians tell us that it was first played by shepherds. Uh, Test matches continue to observe kind of pre-industrial hours with activities spread across weekdays and and weekends alike. It moves at its own pace. It's immune to artificially engineered haste. From flock to baggy green lays down wool for the continuity of the Australian cap, which is required, incidentally, under the terms of the agreement between Cricket Australia and Kookaburra, to be 100% pure Australian wool. Now, it's surprising, isn't it, that, that something like that would need to be specified, but perhaps it's best that it should be, because nothing these days can be taken for granted. Now, the baggy green isn't the most practical of caps, but then there's no pretending that cricket is the most practical of games. In Carr's uh, Dictionary of Extraordinary Cricketers, it tells a story of Abdul the Damned, a Turkish potentate who, on observing British soldiers playing cricket, exclaimed, Remarkable! 
But what needless exertion. Why do you not compel your slaves and concubines to perform it for you? So if you are to play, why choose a streamlined design, aerodynamically optimised? You should give us something that's outside fashion, that's self-reproducing, that's universally recognised. The green and gold dates from the 19th century and is little changed in the last hundred years. It even features, if you look closely, a pre-modern coat of arms with roots from the first flush of colonial proto-nationalism. A coat of arms, moreover, that features a sheep as well as emblems of shipping, mining and grain growing. No service economy or clever country here, just the evocation of golden soil and wealth for toil. It's the cap of Trumper, it's the cap of Bradman, it's the cap that was reinvigorated by Steve Waugh, but it's also, we might as well acknowledge it, the cap of Cape Town 2018. And it was the contrast between the 22 grit disappearing down Cameron Bancroft's pants and the pristine cap on his head that accentuated our sense of defilement back in March, was it not? What I set out to capture in uh, uh, From Flock to Baggy Green wasn't only the story of the national team, but it was also of the nation. Just thinking earlier, on this ground, the Adelaide Oval in January 1908, Roger Hartigan, a wool broker from McTaggart Brothers in Brisbane, made his test debut, having obtained leave from his Dewar Scots bosses on the basis that he would be back by Saturday for the wool sales. When he was not out on Tuesday night, he took the precaution of sending a wire that he might struggle to meet that stipulation. Stay as long as you are making runs, he was told. And he put in a match-winning partnership of 243 with Clem Hill for the eighth wicket. But he only played one more test because the wool industry and his role at McTaggart Brothers was more important to him. Interestingly, I could find no cases uh, when I researched from Flock to Baggy Green of anyone who chose cricket over a career in wool up until perhaps Ian Redpath in the 1960s. Ian, even Ian McLaughlin put the call of, uh, of, of the sheeps back in, uh, uh, ahead of, uh, of, his, of his great love of the game. The book features some famous cricketers. It also features some cricketers that I'd never actually heard of. It features some famous games, also a multiplicity of games played by and within the wool industry itself for the field and the fleece have long been naturally adjacent. What underlies, I think, is our national good fortune. Um, we indulge our love of sport as an outcome of our economic endowments to which wool has been, over the course of Australian history, a major contributor. Exhibit one, I might point out to you, the ashes, we know, was a bequest of the household of Sir William Clarke at his estate, Rupertswood, where he, where the fashionable English amateur team of 1882-83 spent their leisure moments. Now, what was the source of Sir William Clarke's wealth? But wool. He was a wealthy landowner. You can literally, you can associate the, the onset of the ashes, or the inception of the ashes, with the, the wealth that Australia has gained from the wool industry. Flash forward to December 2014, when Tony Abbott hosted Narendra Modi, uh, for the first time in Australia. What was the venue? It was the MCG. And the gifts that we offered were garments made from Australian wool and illustrated cricket bats. India was a suitable recipient. It's the second largest market for Australian wool and effectively 
thanks to the Indian Premier League, the largest market for Australian cricketers. So if the old sometimes these days is considered to be archaic, then I hope that Cricket and Wool will continue their long, rhapsodic, anachronistic, but deeply charming relationship for many, many years to come. Thanks very much. Okay, well, thank you very much, uh, Gideon. You, please come and get a book, but... Um, this, uh, this monologue and this little chat is also simulcast on uh, The Yarn, the podcast. Due to budget cuts, we have to do two for one for that. So uh, please uh, talk about The Yarn. Gideon, if I could just ask one question. The reason that we uh, created Block to Baggy Green was to thrust wool back into uh, the thinking amongst cricket-loving Australians. How do you think we can best uh, leverage off that and push it further? Because the gap between city and country is uh, widening. Well, I mean, in some senses, the gap has to be closed from the other way, doesn't it? I mean, the Australian team, we need to feel a greater sense of proprietorship and identification with the Australian team. And I'm glad to say that I think that the Australian team went some distance towards doing that today. That was a fair, decent and honest effort from a, from a cricket team that was trying extremely hard in extremely difficult conditions without a sledge or a snarl to be heard today. Uh, they did the hard yards and they... they they, they espoused a kind of a work ethic that I think anyone in the wool industry would be, would be proud of. So, uh, so I think there's, uh, there's room to manoeuvre on, on both sides. Okay, well said. Now, I don't want to hold you up from meeting Gideon and, uh, and, and please get a book and see the baggy green fabric here. Gideon, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for writing this wonderful little book. And it's been uh, an absolute pleasure to meet you as part of this project. And uh, thank you very much again. Good night. Gideon Haig there, author of The Flock to Baggy Green. Um, it's a great little book. It's actually a free download from the website of the same name. But let's now hear from a donor. Now, Stephen Field is a wool grower in Western Victoria and a cricket fanatic. In fact, he's worked for Cricket Victoria for well over 20 years and is now the talent manager for Western Victoria. I work as a coach and talent specialist across a few regions, Western Waves, Bowen and Central Highlands, looking at some of our most talented young boys and girls. But you're also a wool grower? Correct, yeah. And uh, the wool growing has obviously been a passion and a family background for six or seven generations. And uh, I'm very lucky to be able to still do that as well as enjoy cricket. So you, uh, when the call went out to put some wool into the baggy green, uh, you were one of the first to say, yep, got to do that. So you... You uh, sent in a, a fleece, which was fantastic. What's it like to have your wool in the future baggy green caps? What does it mean to you? Yeah, it's very special, actually. And even if it's a tiny strand, I don't mind. The reality is that uh, wool and cricket have been combined for a long, long time. You know, farmers have played cricket uh, all over Australia and um, in plenty of dusty places. And particularly for in my role, and looking at aspiring young male and female players, to be able to connect wool the earth the ground and everything around it with that sort of community feel and what that what that means to kids growing up is essential so you and i are at the grandpins cricket club we've played together for many many years we probably should declare that what does a cricket club mean to a community and particularly now that um, women's cricket and girls are really coming to it um, in in, uh, in in big numbers and the advent of t20 what does it all mean 
Well, I think the, the one thing is that you have people from a very young age to sometimes quite an old age like us, and uh, in that period you've got that breadth of experience from just enthusiastic young kids to people who have sort of been around the place for a long time. But probably the, the biggest thing is that cricket clubs are totally community-based because they rely totally on volunteers. Everything you do goes back into trying to improve your facilities for the next generation and so forth. There's no money about, so um, they rely on the goodwill and, and hard work of people involved in the community. So how do you uh, balance being a wool grower up in the Victoria Valley as well as being uh, having this very significant role with Cricket Victoria? How do you get the time to do it all? Badly, I would say. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just uh, long hours, I suppose, is one part. But it, when you love something, it doesn't really matter, does it? So both of them, in a way, are a hobby, even though they obviously uh, take a lot of time. So just working with young people for a start, that inspires you to keep on doing it because you see improvement. You see people who progress to higher levels and things like that, but also just the youngest kid who gets is able to play a cover drive. That's exciting enough. And um, in terms of wool, I just love the feel of it and I love being out there because it's a way of sort of grounding yourself and spending some time thinking about things. Yeah, well, you've come to the Cricket Club tonight. Um, you've been crutching all day. You've got to go and pen up again. So it's, it's very much um, you're the perfect intersection. Now, when we handed over the baggy green cloth uh, last Thursday, um, you were on the ground. What was it like? It was pretty hot, but uh, yeah, was it? What was it like to be out there? Well, I felt like an imposter, to be frank, because there's plenty of people who are more worthy than I to be out there. And as a wool grower, I'm a very small wool grower. But um, in terms of cricket, I have contributed a lot of my life to that and loved every bit of it. So it was a real thrill, and uh, to see the actual cap handed over was a pretty significant moment being part of it all right well um thank you for everything you've done um to for cricket um locally Stephen. it's uh been um amazing being for watching it firsthand um we're here at this amazing oval in dunkeld in western victoria which is right at the base of uh, mount sturgeon which is an inspiration for uh, a lot of people and a lot of young kids that want to play here how many juniors are here now well, on a Thursday night, we see about 90 kids, if you look right through from the Woolworths program, through, <coughs> through all our boys and girls teams, that we'd have 80 or 90 kids training here on a Thursday night. Amazing, yeah. And how do, I mean, football is a big part of uh, country communities, and how does, how can you compete with football? Because football dominates um, on many senses. I mean, there's kids that are training already. It's uh, crazy. It is. I th- think clubs just have to offer a good experience. And I, I'm sure that in a club like ours, you, you could argue that uh, the community recognises how much work we put in as volunteers to try and grow and develop the younger players here. So um, that trust is returned by them uh, supporting us with their children. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming over to Adelaide to hand over the, uh, the baggy green cloth and for everything you've done with uh, cricket, for cricket locally. Um, it was it, you weren't an imposter at all. You were very much at home out there, and it was funny because you. I, I should just declare you got out there and you knew a few people from Cricket Australia. So, oh, Steve, what are you doing here? <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was it was a it was a fitting result. And uh, thanks for being part of it, mate. That's a pleasure, and hopefully there's a few more fifers out on this ground for you, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know about that, but anyway, it's all good fun. Thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for having a yarn. Pleasure, mate. Thank you. Stephen Field there, wool grower, cricketer and donor to the Flock to Baggy Green project. Um, Have a look at that website. It has taken a lot of work and we're very proud of it. And you can see that Stephen is featured there on the map of Australia with many, many others. So that is the yarn, a special edition of this yarn. I hope you've enjoyed it. From me, Murray's coming. Thank you very much for your company. Please uh, write a review. 
send your friends to the uh, to the podcast. It's great to share. And always give us some feedback at theyarn at wool.com. Thanks again. Catch you soon. Thank you.